when we're getting into this next area that, that we have to understand that sometimes the thing that looked predictable, familiar, and comfortable in our belief system is it truly biblical? Has it been a hybrid of man's traditions that have put it, or is it just based on your own experiences? Because if your experiences are dictating to you who God says you are, you're always going to be limited to the place where you go, you know what, I, I don't know if I can do much. And it takes the responsibility, sure, off of you, but then you, if you're like most people that I know, you begin to kind of criticize anybody that's reaping something that you're not reaping. You're, you're kind of a little bit, you know, it, it, jealous. Here's a biblical word, covetousness. I don't want what they got, but I don't want to do what they're doing. This morning, there's a reason why God said to the people before they got to their promise, the promised land, I want you to destroy every enemy into the promised land. The purpose wasn't because he was a cruel God. The purpose was for their lives. And listen to this. It says, because they will lure you into worshiping idols. The word lure. Anybody ever fish before and you got to find the right lure? huh? And the fish are biting you. Go, ah, I got it. But they're biting See, the culture that they were going to go into would lure them into idol worship through their belief system. He said, get rid of the enemy. And he would, they would lure them in to listen to their loathsome customs. This is our custom. This is what we do all the time. This is our belief system. If, you, if you're like us, if you're living with us in our land, this, this is what we do. If you want to be unpredictable, unfamiliar, uncomfortable, if you want to stand out, yeah, I know, kind of as a peculiar people, then you won't do what is customary in our country. I'd say get rid of the enemy that is among you. See, when you live in America, our custom is, if you didn't realize it or not, it is to worry, it is fear. And every time that people try to step out in faith, the, the default system is that we fall back into the place of fear. Hey, have you noticed that a lot of our worship songs are talking about that we're not fearless or that, that God can overcome fear in a person's life and all that? Do you know how many times in the Bible that God said, fear not? There, there's a, there's a, a, a system that God is putting in, in front of us. This might be a little hot. I'm getting, I'm getting a little hot. Just kind of, come on, come on. Could you move right over here in the middle? Let me see if you can help me. Okay. And that's it. I might say you might have to turn those back on. Anyway. I want you to see this because the custom that we live in, even some of the sitcoms are what? Think about it with me. They're, they're sarcastic. They, they make fun of people's weaknesses. Have you ever gone to a, a school, a public school, when you were going to a public school and, and people would, would just say, we don't do that here, what is it? You don't, you don't say anything that we don't like or we're gonna make fun of you? You don't wear anything 
that we don't like, we're going to make fun of you. So what, what happens? Do you remember what's called peer pressure in high school or junior high? Where, where you, you had to fit in or you would feel different? I want to speak to who the Father says that we are. That this morning, you're going to receive it again because if you've been in the church a while, this, this is something that we hold dear to us. But it's something that we just kind of sometimes put over here on the shelf and we go, you know what? That's not what our culture likes for us to be who that in our life. I want you to see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Here's Paul's, really his testimony about to the early church. And, and remember, here's a guy that had a belief system that was totally different. He wanted to throw stones when his belief system of the Jewish religion uh, was challenged. And then eventually he's the one that's going to be having stones thrown at him. But here's what he's come to grips with. For it's not man that we draw life, it's God. Look, look what it says. And out of our God, listen, now he is our God-given wisdom, our virtue, our holiness, our redemption, our righteousness. Now, now you're going to look at that and go, Okay. But what Paul is saying is, he is everything to us as believers. Let me put it this way. A lot of people that go to church that are Christians understand being transformed by the renewing of your mind, but they want to do it only on Sundays. They want it to be in the table of contents of their life and one chapter spirituality. That's Sunday. Instead of God running through the whole book of our life, in every area of our life, that's what Paul says. So then he comes to this. If you've never heard this, this will rock your, your boat, man. This, this, this will be like, oh, wait, 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 I just don't know if I believe this. And this is a stumbling block that the enemy will speak against your life, but this is what the Word of God says over you. Watch this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, some of you have a camera. Take a picture if we have this. Look, it says, God made him. Who's him? Jesus. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. Now, realize this. That we know that there is none righteous, no, not one. That was the past. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's our past. You're a sinner. I'm not a sinner now. I might not be perfect, but through the righteousness that Christ did for me, God looks at me through Jesus Christ and says, you're my righteousness. I want you to remember that through this whole message today. And again, we're in the series. Who does the father say that I am? I'm the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Now watch this. When, when Adam fell, remember in the garden, that God set in motion a plan. Then years later, he chose Abraham through the covenant with Abraham. We've already talked about the covenant. Remember how a covenant is more important than even a contract? It's through the life of both of the people. And, and we know the love that God has for us. But he gave it through Abraham, 
And those of his descendants was the covenant family. But when Jesus came and finished the plan, we are adopted into that covenant family of Abraham. Now, now why is that important? Because if we're not included, then we are not the righteousness in Christ Jesus. The Jewish people are. But in Galatians chapter 3, the, the blessing and the covenant of the hope that was given to Abraham comes on the Gentiles. You are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. I'm saying, yeah. Now look at Romans chapter 5. I'm almost there. And we're going to go. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, I want to read it out of the Passion Translation. It says this, Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. Wow. Now, I want you to understand one thing. That when, when we're going through our life and we get to that spiritual adolescence, and I don't care if you're 150 years old, you can still be 14, spiritually speaking, 12. Just because you're, you've gone to church 100 years doesn't mean that you have 100 years of maturity. You can have one year of maturity 100 years in a row. He never went on. And this is a place that I'm going to kind of challenge your belief system today because this is when you're talking about, look at it. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us and he declares us flawless in his eyes. Pastor, you don't know me. I'm not flawless. Whoever said that to me, I'll say this. I didn't write it. Yeah. I'm so glad I didn't write it because I would doubt it if John wrote it. But the word of God says I'm flawless. Can I speak to future you? You might be sitting here today and you might, all different people are in different places in your walk. But if you'll grasp this as we go through this, when you go through troubled times, when you go through good times, when you, all kinds of times, you, you can revert back to this. He declares us flawless in his eyes. Amen. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what the Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Watch this. Our faith guarantees us permanent. I love that word, permanent, not occasional. Permanent access into the marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. A perfect. I, I read this, and, and you, what, what happens when somebody is so absolute and says perfect and flawless? You kind of go, well, in our culture, everything, nothing's perfect and nothing's flawless. But the Bible is saying, yes, it's flawless. It is permanent. It gives us marvelous access to his kindness. A perfect relationship with God. It goes on to say, what incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep 
on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. Now, look at that word hope. Celebrating our hope of experiencing. It's so important in our walk to never lose hope in God. Do you know how you lose hope in God? He doesn't work fast enough for you. It's, it's John Miller, let me tell you. God's missed some serious opportunities in renting out that retail building down there, and I'm telling you what. I'm just keeping it real here. And waiting on God, our hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. Because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Can you go back and read with me verse 4? It says, And patience, endurance, refine our character, and proving character leads us back to hope. Now, some of you are, I've already lost, but if you're, if you're with me on this, understand this. That it is in continually following God and listening to his voice, he puts us in the right place at the right time to meet the right people to bring about everything that he has for our destiny. Now, watch this. And the awareness that when we're there, that we can recognize it. It's our hope that we're constantly angels. And he stands outside the door and he lets people in and he prohibits people from coming into the throne room of God. And as we walk to the throne room of God and we get to that angel, will we be received or not? And the angel says, you're a son or you're a daughter. Go right away. With confidence, we enter into the throne room. about there's that God is love and there's no fear in God's love. That, that doesn't make sense to our culture. That doesn't make sense a lot to our belief system. But the Bible says the reason why there's no fear is because fear talks about punishment. Are you hearing me? And a lot of times our belief system has been promoted or, or that we believe that God's going to Again, scold us or say, you're not right now perfect enough in our relationship to come to the throne room of God. Ask for mercy or kindness. You have messed up. Or you're not all that. I, I read something today, and I, and I didn't put it in my notes. So I'm going to have to read it off my phone. But listen to this. Well, when you start thinking about all the, the people in the Bible and all those heroes, they were perfect, weren't they? No. Jacob was a cheater. Peter had a tempter. David had an affair. Noah got drunk. Jonah ran from God. Paul was a murderer. Gideon was insecure. Miriam was a gossiper. Martha was a warrior. Thomas was a doubter. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was moody. Moses stuttered. Zacchaeus was short. I don't know why they put that one in there. Abraham was old and Lazarus, he was dead. The, the, the Bible, even the 
sum of love and grace breaks the chain of fear and darkness that's in our life? I'm speaking to the future you, and the future you is when you walk out of here. What we do in building our belief system is we, again, if we're not careful, we default back to fear. If you understand that the Word of God is full of, full of scriptures that are saying, don't be fearful. Romans chapter 8 says this, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing from the love of God. But still, there's a fear of abandonment. I messed up. I'm not all that. I wish I could be more like him, more like And there's something that comes against our belief system that we stop growing and we stop believing in the purpose of God for our life. Even when people in the Bible have fallen like all those people, you know that there's a passage in Micah it says this, and if you don't know it, it's in Micah chapter 7, verse 8. It's one of the best you can tell yourself and confess over your life. It says this, that rejoice not against me, O my enemy. In other words, you better not be laughing at me, O enemy. Because when I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be the light to me. Amen. Now listen to this. Peter came up with that conclusion. We talked about him running and he's kind of scared and he comes to the point though that he stands and he's called a rock because on this rock I will build my church. What rock? The revelation that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And, and, and Peter says it this way. You are a chosen people. That's you. A royal priesthood. You're talking to me, Pastor. I'm a priest. Yeah, a royal priesthood. Yeah. You're a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him. Listen, who called you out of that darkness into his wonderful life. Yeah. Yeah. Don't rejoice over me. Don't rejoice over me, O enemy, when I fall. Because even though I'm in darkness, I will arise. I'm yeah. going to come into the light. See, there's a fear of not being righteous. Do you know that... Uh, in, in Deuteronomy, I, I was reading this because it, it's pretty interesting and I, I kind of like world history and, and especially warfare because here's all these, these men that are lined up against the enemy and they can vis visibly see that enemy across the lines that they're going to actually be fighting against in a few minutes. And in the book of Deuteronomy, it says when you go against your enemy and you see all those horses and all that, this is what the priest is supposed to do. He's supposed to come out before you and listen to this. He's supposed to say, don't waver in resolve. Don't fear. Don't hesitate. Don't panic. Don't panic. God, your God is right there with you, fighting with you against your enemy. Fighting not to be a draw or to lose, but fighting to win. <laughs> now this morning, I'm, I'm, I'm going to spend just a few minutes and then I want to Lisa to come up and, and say again that I'm fearless. And you can you can say that again with me on that song, but I I believe in I'm fearless. It challenges my belief system every time we sing it. Every time I confess it out of my mouth. Here's what I want you to do. And because we know that sometimes the eight ounce glass 
capacity that we got. And God says, I've got a gallon to pour into you, revelation of who I am and who you are. Sometimes we go, ah, oh, it's uncomfortable. It, it, it's, it's, it, it's too much for me, God. Here's what I want you to see, is because today in just the next few minutes before we're done, the biggest enemy that I can see is fear. Now, now listen, for your impression, I've got Marvin the monkey. <laughs> Say he's Marvin the monkey. <laughs> you don't get this in every church. <laughs> the monkey on my back. Has anybody ever heard that before? That saying. Do you know that a lot of times it comes with an addiction? It, you know, it, it says this. It is to remove or solve a problem that has been difficult to get rid of or to solve. To get rid of a problem or a situation that makes one unhappy that has lasted for That's where the phrase, getting the monkey off of your back, comes from. Now, we, we've been talking about out of our belief system, we make choices. And out of those choices, put us in experiences. In the last weeks, we've talked about you having to be willing to make a new experience, to put yourself in a new experiences that challenge your belief system. See, there's a lot of people's belief system that believes that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, resurrected, and now sits at the right hand of the Father. And, and so do I. But do you know that our Bible could be about 25 passages of scriptures and that's about it? If that's all the revelation that you allow God to speak into your life. To allow God by faith through what we believe to work in our families, work in our finances, in our relationships with one another, in, in, in our health. Do you, do you know when your health is more important than your finances or your relationships? When you lose it? Sometimes you don't even realize it because you take it for granted. But to allow God to be God in our lives, we've got to overcome our belief system experiences that are saying, I know that God could be a healer, but I don't know if he'd be willing to heal me. I, I believe that God could bless me, but I don't know if he's willing to bless me. Do, do you see your belief system? So here's... The price of the admission of coming today. The question that I want you to take home and process. Is fear building your belief system? Because if the word of God says that you're the righteousness in Christ Jesus. A 
but you've had an experience. It could, it could be in a, a geographical location, which means some church somewhere that says, well, you're, you're a sinner. It, it could be that you were, you experienced something in your life that you wish you had back that spoke against you ever being the righteousness in Christ Jesus. And fear has taken a hand in building your belief system. Because panic, listen to this, a lot of times Christians will get to that place where they, they get in a situation, we all panic. Let me, let me tell you this, it's unrealistic fear that has no grounds. Listen, no basis of truth can be built on. That's what fear and panic is. Has anybody ever got a little tinge in their side or something for a couple days and you go, I know I've got cancer. I'm eating up with it. <laughs> it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because we look back and go, how did I ever go that far? We, we know that even though you've done that, the question is, what did you do after that? Did you say, no, I don't have cancer? I'll tell this real quick because, again, it's not something that I'm proud of, but it's something that I want to remind you that I have to fight against fear. Building this building here at that time, at, and I felt like I was 12 years old, I was so young, because I didn't have any clue what I was doing. I built this building with the people that were helping me, and I got so much stress that, that my thumbs started twitching. Some of you have heard this story several times, and, and do you remember what I said? I said, Right that time, listen, the enemy, I believe with all my heart, how would have I ever heard this, but I found a piece of news that said Michael J. Fox, suffering from that disease, you know, was just right then, his thumb was twitching. I'm done, I've got the same thing. Then it went from uh, Parkinson's, it went to Lou Gehrig's disease. And, and, and I tell you, I, I couldn't sleep. I, I got up and during the building program, the stress, watch a little TV, and, and it says, insomnia. I got insomnia. One of the symptoms to Lou Gehrig's disease. What? At three in the morning, how is that on the TV? I've never seen that. Fear. And probably all of you have a testimony of some time in your life that you had the same temptation. The fear is coming to your life. And what do we do? If we're not careful, that is an experience that now builds our belief system that we're making choices out of that we're experiencing today. We know that the choices we make today will determine where we are tomorrow. I hate that. I hate that. I wish I could do anything that I want and it didn't have any consequences. But to get the monkey of fear off of our back, you got to do something about it. You've got to make a willing choice to put yourself in a new experience of believing, of walking by faith and not by sight. It goes against something called the flesh. Who we are. Who we used to be. Satan is betting if he can get you in panic and worry and fear, he's already got you before the battle even begins. Now listen to this, I'm wrapping it up. This is how he gets us to panic. This is, this 
this is going to be revolutionary in your life, and some, it will bump you off of being stagnant for years. Listen, how he gets us to get into panic and fear, he has to get us working in our past. Do you understand what that means? He gets you by focusing off of where you're going and focusing on where you've been. It paralyzes you. It causes you to stop. It starts you getting, you get it mad. Give me a rock. Or man, I don't like that church anymore. Your belief system is being challenged. Good, bad, or ugly, stay out of the past. Every time the fear comes up in your mind, you know, and you get, nope, I'm not going back. Stay out of the past. Guard the goal of where you're going. Now, now let me just say this, and we'll, we'll pick up next week. In Romans chapter 8, you know, there is therefore now no condemnation that are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, now we all know that well, but, but there is a little bit of condemnation, right, Pastor? Just a little bit, you know, for me, because I'm not. No. And sometimes I want to say, well, part of it, no condemnation, don't we understand? That's good. But at the end of that passage in chapter 8, it comes back to say, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Now, now watch this. It says, not death nor life, no angels or demons, no height or depth. But it says this, and I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but not any of the present or the future. It doesn't say anything about the past. I believe that we can separate ourselves from the love of God only by dwelling in the past. Because fear will talk us out of believing that God is love that we are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. And as long as he can do that, you'll stay, spiritually speaking, just in the eight-ounce capacity. But I want to encourage you, by confessing out of your mouth that I am the righteousness in Christ Jesus. And do you realize that's, that's one of the many reasons why we come to church? I've heard it since I was a little boy because there was church service. I didn't want to go. Do you have to go to church to go to heaven? I want to know the 70, you know, the passing. Mom, the wonderful world of Disney's coming on. We've got to go to church on Sunday night. Anybody ever experienced that besides Lisa? But let me tell you, I'm going to tell you, you need to be here every week. If you're here and, and you're in church services, let me tell you, the fear of our culture speaking into us. Now, that's not trying to be me. Even sometimes fear is kind of a little cute. You better just take a little bit of fear. Just a little bit. You don't. What if? But to get that monkey off of our back, it's going to have to get to the place of being confident. First of all, that we can go boldly before the throne room of God for mercy and kindness and forgiveness and then go on. Yeah. Now, by coming to church,
you're changing your culture, so to speak. Not just in what we say, and hopefully we don't just learn sanctification and redemption and all these big church words. But also we're walking and encouraging one another. We're staying out of fear. Do you hear me? Church people? Redemption people? You people are saved? Have an eternity in store for you with God? Stay out of the past. Well, let me just say this. If you're a person of fear, just for, for all of us, just don't say anything while you're here. <laughs> Pastor, that's just who I know. That's not. This is a new experience that when you come to church. Now don't try to get somebody to come on your side and go, you know, I'm, I, it's pretty bad out there with our economy. It's pretty bad with our uh, government. It's pretty bad. Don't, don't be bringing that in here. Because once we get over the fear in our lives, let me tell you, that, that it, it's amazing how God can be God in our lives. And when we get to the next part of this, speaking about the authority of the believer, some of your eyes are going to pop out when we talk about faith and walking by faith now by side. Believing that the Word of God is true for us and not just for the people of the Bible or the New Testament church or the New Testament church. And we got the strobe light going off and on, don't we? Would you stand? Before we're dismissed, I want to say this. And then Lisa's going to dismiss us and we'll go out of here on high disc. But today we're going to take up the offering. Remember, if you have a way of donating a little extra, I think it's about 350 to fix that lighting problem. Also, that we're leaving for back to school Sunday, which is in uh, August. So if you have the children's ministry has uh, told me that they need Binders, there's a handout in the back, I believe, in there. And so pick up one of those and if you can donate that. Pastor, I don't know if I have enough money to donate that. Don't walk in fear. I'm Let's sing this song, especially the part where he said, it says,